Hey, I'm glad you're here. This is episode 15, and we're doing something a little bit different today. I picked up a book last week. That is not different. I'm always picking up books, but this book, it's making such a difference in my life, and I can't wait to share it with you. The book is called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I've only read part one. There are four parts in the book. Part one, I'm already applying it to my life and seeing some big changes. So I was talking about those changes with some of my friends, and it turns out I've got a friend who loves the book too. She's read it a number of times. So I've recorded a conversation that she and I have about part one of the book Essentialism. I can't wait for you to meet my friend, Karen Backway. Karen is a physician turned life coach. She is super, super smart. She's a lovely person. Oh my goodness. I adore her. And we have fabulous conversations. So get ready to join us for our conversation about essentialism. Welcome to an owner's guide for your life. The podcast that combines psychology, coaching, common sense, and fun. I'm Tracy Browning, an entrepreneur, life coach, and lover of people. Now, let's talk about how to live, love, make money, and change the world. Oh, my friend Karen, here we are, excited to talk about essentialism, right? Yeah, it's one of my favorite books, read it multiple times. Oh, and see, this is beautiful because... I'm on my first reading of essentialism. I'm through mm. part one. That is all. <laughs> and look, you're already ready to share it. Just I know. how fascinating this book is. Right? Oh, I got so excited even in the first couple of chapters, because for me, essentialism is really, it, it's the theme of what I'm talking about with an owner's guide for your life. It's how to be a great owner of your life, the essential parts, right? Mm -hmm. so, uh -huh. And sometimes that's not easy to define. You are correct. You are. Ah, uh, so what is it? I mean, you've, you've shared, you've read this multiple times. Yeah. Why? Why do you keep coming back to it? Maybe because I'm a slow learner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. That is not true. Yeah. yeah. Not because um, you're a slow learner. You, you know, I, I, every time there's, every time I reread a book that I liked the first time, I get more and more out of it every time. And I'm a paper person. I want a book. And if I actually, I will also get a book on, on, Kindle version, right? And if I really like the book, I will then buy the book. Because I underline and I highlight and I scribble all over it. Right. And there's, there's, I'm doing and the same thing. Two yeah. years later, when I go back and read it again, yeah, it's like, oh, and like, oh yeah, that's where I got that thought from. And then you just, you know, it just, it just accentuates what I felt was important the first kick at the can and then I get more out of it the next time so I there's certain books that this is probably a book that I will visit again and again over 
over the next few years. It speaks to me, really. And my, my, favorite, um, my favorite quote on it is actually in the first part. It's actually, it's actually the title of one of the chapters. Um, let me just see if I can find it here. It is like the, <laughs> the unimportance of practically everything. I'm laughing because I flipped my book open. I thought, oh, which one's she going to choose? And that was the one I thought you would choose. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like it. Because <laughs> there is really, your life can get so full of stuff. And unless you sort of consciously try to sweep it out, you're tripping over it. Right. Right. And as we age, what you're tripping over. <laughs> It's easier to follow. <laughs> and then you break a hip. Dang it. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We don't have right. to. <laughs> but you also find that, you know, you want to, you, for me anyway, that I want to um, really hone in on what is important to me. You know, that, that timeline of life. Right. Even though we're still in the messy middle of it all, you're kind of closer to the tidy endings. Yeah. Um, that you know, you want to get the most out of it as you can. Right, right, so. exactly. And, you know, when you were saying that about, okay, our stuff, Greg McEwen talks about using this book in your life like you would if you had a professional organizer come in to help you with your closet. Now, mm. I've not had a professional organizer. I've had my sisters do that. And we've done that for each other. That, you know, you're like, oh, God, what a mess. <laughs> look at all the stuff <laughs> and you know unless you are thoughtfully curating and you have a system to you know wash your dirty clothes pick out your outfits what are you going to wear to the wedding oh what are you going to wear for work you know unless you've got a system then it's really chaos so I, I like his his idea and I'll just I'll come back and I'll read and I He's got this somewhere early on that what essentialism really is, his quick definition, it's disciplined, systematic approach to determine your highest point of contribution and then make that execution almost effortless. That sentence packs a wallop. It certainly does. <laughs> you might need to say it again. No, there's, there's a lot of big words in that sentence. And so I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. It's a discipline. It's a systematic approach. Um, your highest point of contribution. No, he breaks all this out later on in the book. And we'll talk about it as we're going through. But it's figuring out where you really, you know, what is it you're excellent at? What is it you love? What is it you want to do in your life and in the world? And not all the good things. And I think that's the danger that so many of us succumb to is that I say yes to a lot of good things because they're good. And I well, yeah. them. they're good. You're right. right. And, but, but his point is, is that you want to do what you excel at. Right. right. So I found it easier way to define essentialism than the with very smaller one you just yeah with smaller yeah. words <laughs> it's, okay the way of the essentialist means living by design not by default mm. because so many of us 
live by default. We don't actually consciously choose what we're doing. How many people finish high school, get their first job and stay there? I mean, I don't know. I never did that. Uh, I made many, many career changes. <laughs> that, that is not your history, but we all know that it, that's, it's like the easiest way to live life because you're not having to stop and go through because the agony, I'll just say, of making choices. Choice can be beautiful, but it can be challenging. Oh, yeah. That's it one of my favorite hard. sentences. Choice is a beautiful thing. Ah, I think it's a beautiful thing if you surround yourself with people who think it's a beautiful thing. And if you can see in your own life evidence that, yeah, it really is a beautiful thing. I wonder That's if, you know, there's so much, we get bombarded so much with information now and so many choices <sighs> that you end up actually, when you make a choice, do you end up with FOMO, like fear of missing out? Like, if I choose this, what about all these other things, right? Right. And that's right. what being the essentialist is about is that you almost need, I'm going to say blinders that, yeah, those are good things too, but what's best? Exactly, exactly. And instead of having the fear of missing out, what if you have the joy of missing out? Oh, that's good. It's really good. I am nowhere yeah. near there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I am. Sometimes I can go, oh, yeah. I have chosen the best thing. And yes, I've said, I've said no to some good things, but I'm saying yes to the really good thing, the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, mm, it's such a, it's a fascinating way to approach living your life. And I think, you know, you and I know each other well enough. We, we know how our minds work and we know that we like to think, you and I. <laughs> so I've wondered if this, is, if this is a way of living, being an essentialist, that really fits a little better for someone who likes to think. Because you do have to think a lot. You've got to evaluate your choices. Well, and you have to actually make a decision. Oh, which is different than thinking, <laughs> right? The deciding well, is different. I mean, he does talk about in the book how you want to consider a whole bunch of things. Right. To, and, and he talks about exploring the various options. Yes. Because then yes. you can actually, because if you think about your variety of options, you can then make your choice knowing that you actually considered a bunch of other things and that you made the best choice. There, there has to be some degree of thought that is put into this. Right. You don't just marry the first guy you meet. Well, maybe you did. I don't know that. But. I did not. <laughs> People, you, you know, you need to put some thought into it, right? Right. So maybe that's not the best example, marrying, marrying the first person who comes along but you want to know that you did make a thoughtful decision that you're going to sort of hone in on 
Right. Because your brain is going to come up and say, hello, what are you doing? No, no, no. no. Oh, no, 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 no. change is bad. Change is bad. <laughs> because we want to, uh, uh, again, our brains are so energy efficient. They're creatures of habit and they want to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And change doesn't feel safe. No, and that's no, not at all. Chapter two, where the, the, the actual chapter title is choose. Oh, oh that, that just can feel really difficult it can feel hard and our brains can like you were saying can get Mm-mm. <laughs> no no that no, ain't no. happening <laughs> right and that's and that's because to our brain safe means familiar right right and its job is to keep us safe over and above everything else yeah so familiar good change lethal no, 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 no. Familiar, good. Hey, even if it's, you know, sort of average, it's good. This is good. You don't want to do that. And our brain is a really good negotiator. Mm, yes. You yes. don't want to do that. You don't want to get up and exercise. You remember five years ago, there was that jock in the gym who looked like you walked into the men's washroom by mistake. Like, you don't want to do that. No. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to the gym. Not a chance. It's like flinging the file cabinet open. Remember this and this and this. See, <laughs> I love you. I'm keeping you safe. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, you know, this is something I know you and I both being coaches that, you know, we're really tuned into. We spend a lot of time talking about what to expect from our brain. And not everybody thinks about it as much as we do. So I know even being as aware as we are of kind of the trash talk we're going to get from our brain when we go to make a different choice, even being aware, it's still like, oh, you're bombarded with all the chatter that doesn't want you to change. So just the awareness of, okay, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend saying, oh, this is hard because that puts a little bit of a negative spin on it, but this is new. This is different. This is something I'm exploring kind of softens the blow. And it almost like teases your brain to look in a different direction and not hit you as hard. With all the, remember that time you screwed up? You're going to do it again if you make that choice. (laughs) Well, it's treating yourself with a little bit of compassion too. It's like, I get it. I know you're trying to protect me. It's okay. We're not going to die because we get up and exercise. Right. 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 So that that awareness to generate self-compassion will make it easier for you to sort of go contrary to what your brain is trying to convince you not to do. Right, such a good point, Mm, such a good point. Mm. The other point that he makes, which is actually, uh, maybe, maybe I said this already, yeah, you can't underestimate the importance of absolutely everything. Oh, I don't think we've talked about that. Yeah. 
yeah it's actually the chapter it's the title of one of the it's the let me let me make sure i get it completely yeah. right because it's really powerful <laughs> um you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything which is if you actually it's so constraining like oh don't don't hold me to that please but if you've considered other options and you're picking the one that's best for you it's actually freeing as opposed to constraining that's such a good point and i'm forgetting i'm sitting here nodding my head at you and you can see me nodding my head but my mm -hmm. head thankfully does not rattle up and down when i do that yes <laughs> such such powerful ideas here in this book um and i'm looking at, at some of the notes i've made in chapter three his his chapter three is discernment how to be discerning and he talks about the pareto principle which most people are familiar with the the 80 20 rule mm. 20 percent of your effort let's see is that right yeah 20 percent of your effort is responsible for 80 percent of your results yes it works in businesses it works for people, you know, we can all kind of see, see how that plays out. So to be discerning about where that important 20% of effort needs to be, you know, that ties beautifully in with be aware you've got choice <laughs> and then you know, choose wisely. But also in that I had shared with you earlier, one of my favorite ideas in this chapter is the power law theory. That, oh, do tell, do tell. Yeah, <laughs> that some efforts have exponentially more impact in your life. And I think it was, who was it? Maybe the uh, chief technology officer with Microsoft. I don't remember his name. I think that was the guy he was quoting that like, he saw it with Microsoft that their software developers, the ones who were just like head and shoulders above the others, they weren't like 10 times better than the others. They were like 10,000 times better. They were just, they had something in there was just, it had a huge impact. So for us to look in our own life and go, hmm, all right, where, where are the decisions? Where, where should my effort be? That's really gonna impact to a huge degree. Where are they? Yeah, what do you think about that? Well, no pressure to be, you know, a thousand times better than everybody else. Oh, 10,000 times better. <laughs> no pressure. And I'm, yeah, I'm not saying I have that desire. I'm thinking, no, that was the CTO's opinion about his software developers, 10,000 times yeah. better. But how, and, how cool that is to see that somebody can look and go, you know, there's, there's something really important happening here. And I don't think it's something that's reserved for software developers. I think it's it's the hope there's we can look in our life and figure out where are we going to have the most impact by focusing our attention like a laser beam. Where do we focus? Where are we going to get that explosion? I get really excited about the power law theory. <laughs> well. It's, it's like a, a set of levers, right? Exactly. And, and so that you may not with one lever be able to move 
a 1,000 pound rock, but with a series of levers. I remember that in grade six physics or something long, long time ago that by uh, the, the power of the levers, right? What, what are the levers you need to pull perhaps? Um, I, you know, the way that you're describing that is almost like fear uh, inducing. It's like, you, you really need to hone in on just this one thing, right? Ooh. And, and um, I don't know that he, I mean, he talks about trade-offs in that paragraph, in that, in that chapter as well, right? Right, right. And that's part of the fear of missing out for like, if you say yes to this, you're going, you're automatically saying no to something else, right? And what if that no is actually way better than the yes you're saying yes to, right? Um, and that's, you know, again, that's fear of missing out all over again. Um, See, I think in my head, I'd already kind of gone to the joy of missing out that I am so excited about. There's the possibility that I can focus in on something and get huge effort. Hey, maybe that's just me being a little bit lazy. Ah, maybe I just want to conserve some energy. <laughs> well, that would be and, your brain's goal. <laughs> ah, yeah. So I can make my brain happy and maybe like calm that little voice down and go and ah. <laughs> But I, I think I think it's exciting that you can hone in on and focus in on a few things. And you know, somewhere in these chapters, one of the phrases he'll repeat periodically is looking at the vital few rather than the trivial many. What are the vital few, whether it's vital few choices, um, the vital few things we focus on, the vital few over the trivial many. I mean, it's just really exciting to me to think, oh, yeah. And see, maybe I'm excited because I see that happening in my life now as I'm, as I'm putting some of his principles really into effect. I see it happening. I'm shifting so, things. So do you have an example in your own life right now about the joy of missing out? <laughs> well... There, yeah, yeah, which, uh, oh, I don't want to feel like a mean girl saying it, but I was invited to be part of a mastermind, uh, and I'm realizing that this mastermind, I didn't have ties to the people in it, and while a mastermind is a fabulous thing, um, it's a fabulous way for people to come together and, and work towards their individual goals, but I didn't have any personal ties with the people in that mastermind. And I have said to them, I'm rescinding my agreement to be part of the mastermind. It hadn't gotten started yet. Um, and I have a lot of joy. And maybe joy is not the right word for that. I've got a lot of peace that that was a good choice for me because that frees up my time and energy to focus on my business in a different way. So sometimes there's joy that, yeah, I made the right choice and I'm 
um, I'm not having to deal with some of those other things. But for this one, it's it's peace and it's excitement and enthusiasm that I feel myself really honing in on things that matter. And one thing that really matters to me is my coaching business. So, so joy of missing out actually generates a lot of enthusiasm and energy yeah. versus a fear of missing out, which is going to deplete you with worry and anxiety almost because, oh right. my gosh, what if this was better? What if that is better? Yeah. 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 Oh, isn't it amazing the difference in what happens, the, the different thoughts and feelings we have, <laughs> just the actions that come from it. Oh, my goodness. Well, and, and how just a slight shift in your focus can yeah. completely change the way that you feel about what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, two weeks ago, I was not entertaining the idea of not being part of that mastermind. I was on board with it because I love networking with people. I love working with groups of people and helping build each other. I love being cooperative. I love information. I love all these things. It's mm. a good thing. But I realized last week, it's a good thing. It's not the great thing. That mastermind is not where I need to put my time and my energy. So if I'd made that same decision two weeks ago, oh, there would have been a lot of fear and regret and anxiety. Ooh. But there's which not. Is, which is not a great feeling, right? No, so, it's not. No. And I've got a really great feeling right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there's this other concept that that I've come across in, in another context. It's called um, the idea of keeping a no journal. And a no o, journal? A no journal. Oh. And it's a way that you can actually track to see how much time you're actually freeing up for yourself when you say no to something hmm. in the future. So let's say, for example, I ask you to come to my best friend's sister's daughter's um, fundraising event for saving the whales in the Pacific Ocean. It's really important to my best friend's sister's daughter, but it's really not that important to you. Right. But you're my friend and you might want to come. So I invite you and you say, yes. So you're going to spend two hours, two weeks from now at a fundraising event you'd really rather not be at. If you said no to me, those two hours, two weeks from now are now available for what you really wanna be spending your time doing. Mm. So if instead you spend time with Todd or with your kids, that is what you would have been saying no to had you said yes to me and my sister's best friend's daughter's whale thing. Gotcha. Even so, though for the record, I love whales, but <laughs> yes, the opportunity right? cost of the yes. Right. So it's actually a wait. So you actually ghost out that time. Like if I had said, yes, here's where I would have been. Oh, so then two weeks from now, when you're actually doing what's important to you, you're saying, here's what I'm doing instead of the yes that I turned down. Mm. It's kind of a, it's kind of a backwards way to track your time. 
Right. I said no to this yes. I, I didn't say yes to going out to this other thing that's good. My better thing is spending time with my son. Right. Uh, or, right. you know, so it's because if you don't pay attention to it, you won't know that those two hours got wasted, that you could have wasted actually went to something else. Right. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, you just have to do it for like a month to see how you're reclaiming your own time. Well, you know, in some circumstances, you might not even need to do it that long for it to have a powerful impact. Mm. Just a couple of times of going, wait a minute, I said yes to this, but here's what really mattered. Oh, because I mean, just the, just the whole idea of, you know, maybe not two hours with, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, that's just, that's really powerful. It's an, it's an interesting idea to try to, to try to do for yourself because right. you can see what time you bought back for what's important to you. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're somebody who is looking to, you know, kind of level up a little bit in taking ownership of your life, you want to thrive instead of just like hanging on like that little kitty going, you know, I'm just barely surviving. <laughs> we want to thrive <laughs> and in my mind I've got the picture of the tiger thriving wildly and beautifully in the jungle instead of the little kitty hanging on by their little claws uh, but there are there's so many valuable resources and ideas to use to really bring it home to take concepts that we're loving in the essentialism book and not have them just be concepts but how do you how do you bring them to life in your own life? Oh. Well, one of the first things you need to do is actually identify what they are. Right. And what? I think he, he gets into that at, uh, I think he gets into that in the first bit of the book. It's like, how do you identify your hell yeses? So is what I am saying yes to a hell yes or a polite thanks, but no mm. thanks? Right, so right. If it's not a nine out of 10, I want to do this, then the answer is no. Right. I don't think that's in part one, because as I confessed earlier, I've only read part one. I thought, oh, this will be an interesting way to do the podcast. Let me just read and not read ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's coming. No, it's fine. <laughs> this is but the yeah, it's having conversation about it. But, but that is, you know, <laughs> yeah. how can you know you're saying yes to the right things if you actually haven't thought about what the right things are? It, right? it, takes, it takes wanting to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. and being able to do a little bit of self-exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you, you got to figure out what your options are. Yeah, and he recommends that you pick four, at most five, hell yeses. Okay. And a lot of people do that in business. Like if this, if it doesn't fall in with this particular principle or service that you're offering then no thank you mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. this is what i do and this is what i do great right uh, and he mentions i've uh, well he mentioned someplace in the book um um the book um good to great by right. somebody jim collins yeah jim, jim collins. collins and um 
that's basically what they do is they the businesses that go from good to great focus on the one thing that they do better than anybody else. So this stuff works in reality. It really does. It it's does. not just something interesting and entertaining to talk about. It really does work. And yeah. when you when you apply it, you get to have feelings like, ah, I made a great choice. <laughs> I've got the power mm -hmm. law operating in my own life. I love and you it. get JOMO, joy of missing out. JOMO. Yes, JOMO. <laughs> so much <laughs> better than FOMO. Joy is better than fear. I like it so much better. <laughs> yeah, so much better. Uh, oh, well, this feels like a good place to wrap up for part one. Okay. There are four parts in the book. So, <laughs> well, I'm happy to be back again. Yeah. I got to go read them now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Which I will do, but all right. It, that might be one of your power activities. It's definitely, I mean, I look at, I started reading this a week ago and I already see the impact it's had. And, you know, it's not like it was anything I'd never really thought of. I know these concepts, yeah. But the way he has it phrased, and of course, where I am in my life, it's a little easier for me to apply it where I am in my life. So it's really resonating with me. I like it. Essentialism. Well, thank you, my friend, for joining me. My absolute pleasure.